This podcast is a member of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts and content creators, visit bio.link slash red5. Let it go, let it go. Da, 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 da. Honey, where are you at? It's time to record our latest episode of the Hyperion Adventures. But what is going on here? Hi, sweetie. Check it out. I've got those Black Series figures I picked up all ready for a photo shoot. What do you think? Uh, I think you've been listening to Pat and Charles way too much. Well, I'm not going to say they didn't give some inspiration to me, but this is all my idea. Look, I have Cassie and Jin and the pilot set up to play as mixed triplets of curling on Hoth. You know, they had a vacation in the Caribbean earlier this year, so nice, cool sports seems pretty appropriate to fight this summer heat. Pretty awesome, right? Um, sure. I mean, we have a Disney podcast to record. Can you please play with your dolls later? There you go again. You know, Pat and Charles would remind you they are figures. (laughs) Yeah, well, I love those conversations, guys. They do a great podcast, but they're also a couple of chuckleheads. (laughs) Those are dolls. Now, is that the way to talk about our friends? I thought our show was all about positivity. Yeah, you're right. I'm positive they've been a really bad influence on you. (laughs) Stop. Let's just get this week's Hyperion Adventure podcast out of the way so we can catch the latest episode of Conversations. Perfect. We'll double their listening audience. You're such a dork. It's a translation to a Star Wars nation. It's a celebration. Welcome to Conversations, I'm Charles. And I'm Pat, and this is episode 125. The criminal underworld throughout the galaxy is as deep as it is treacherous. The major crime families and organizations sink their claws deep into these worlds in an effort to expand their influence. You will never find a more wretched hive of scum and syndicates. The Syndicate Series, The Pikes. First of all, let's just like take a few minutes to talk about this, is that the fact that when we first talked about this whole series where we were going to talk about all these syndicates and you had said, you know what? I think there's too many details that Correct. really redefine how deep and how far reaching these syndicates have. And yes. what a brilliant stroke that was, because not only was the first Crimson Dawn episode that we did, one of our most popular episodes of last was year. Really? Yeah, absolutely. Oh. Um, oh, actually, it was right behind uh, Kanan and Jarrus, according to Spotify. Yeah. Caleb Dune. Yeah, okay. that was a very popular episode from uh, 2023, because of course okay. now we're in 2024. Um, but yeah, right. the Crimson Dawn was very popular. Uh, a lot of people listened to that one and enjoyed it. We had received some good feedback on uh, our socials and stuff. So uh-huh. yeah, so now we're going to explore the Pike Syndicate. Yes, as part of our Syndicate series, yeah. which um, you know, it's, has proven to be quite a rabbit hole. To, yes. uh, to dive down. Uh, you're like, all right, let me look into... Oh. Oh. Oh, boy. 
So it's, um, yeah, it's proven to be quite complex because, you know, as with many criminal organizations, they have many irons in the fire. Yeah. So, you know, you look at in any direction and they've got their hands in something that's going to not only lead to their advantage, but also to affect the galaxy in some way. Yeah, and not only their outside associations, but also the ones they think that they are working together with, they're still working for their own benefit. These syndicates, these crime lords and crime bosses and crime families, it's like they're so self-serving. Yeah. Like everywhere you look, it's like, okay, we're going to do this, but it's because, and you're like, okay, here we go. All right. <laughs> it's like nobody does anything for the good of anybody but their own pockets. Right. So the Pike Syndicate was named for their leader, Lom Pike. Mm. So basically, he cornered the spice trafficking trade uh, originally on Obadiah. Yeah. And of course, that branched out through uh, many outer rim systems, including Kessel and Mandalore. Yes. They have direct ties to many of the things that are major in many of the Star Wars plot lines. Um, so, you know, they, they had those uh, were two of the major planets they had dealings on. But they had sentinels throughout the Outer Rim and observation droids for security. And um, as we saw in the the Mandalorian and the Book of Boba Fett, they had um, repulsor trains yeah. that yep. transported the spice on world. And, of course, uh, a system of freighters and smugglers to card the spice off-world for future distribution. And um, if we've learned anything, it's that this is how we stop the trade. <laughs> it certainly is. And the fact that Obadiah is on the Outer Rim Territories makes sense. And not only for the empirical oversight of these planets, much like we saw with Tatooine. And a lot, sorry, Tatooine. That's um, they weren't necessarily the purview of the Empire. Like, do what they want, all sort of thing. Right. And but, being in the Outer Rim, it kind of gives them a little more freedom than the core worlds that had that sort of overwhelming Imperial presence. Exactly. The or U- Republic presence, if you're kind well, of going back true. to the time of the Clone Wars. Right, right, right. Yeah. Very important. But Obadiah is also basically at the end of the Kessel Run, which right. is a critical pathway from... You From know, spice to table. Cur- oh, <laughs> there you go. Because they, the, the Pike Syndicate. <laughs> We're kidding. The people that are addicted to spice don't have table. <laughs> they just have spoons. Um, oh. So, yes. Oh, stop it. Stop it. <laughs> Everyone knows you inhale spice. You don't smoke oh, it. Oh, I thought it was. Oh. Noob. No? All right. I don't um, know. So, anyways, Maybe. yes. And because they were basically. For the most part, the leaders and the managers of the spice in the entire galaxy, it gave them that uh, huge advantage, like their pure location. And as you mentioned, Lom Pike was the leader of the Pike Syndicate. I did. I did mention that. They had, like you said, a large fleet of patrol and freight ships to ferry the goods and foot soldiers around the galaxy. And that's what really cemented their position as the Spice Runners, was that not only did they have the armaments and the, the freighters, but they also had the foot soldiers to be able to exert their control and their management of the spice distribution throughout the entire galaxy. And that really gave them their success within this, uh, you know, the underground spice trade. Not only that, but I imagine that the boots on the ground, as you were uh, saying, uh, I think would give them certain insight in terms of the freighters that were coming in with loads of spice to kind of be able to tip them off if there was any sort of 
imperial presence or any sort of law enforcement of any type mm-hmm. that was in the area. It's like, uh, maybe maybe don't land here or don't land yet uh, until they disperse a little bit. I think having those soldiers on the ground really helped to be their eyes and ears on the planet to say, hey, you know, this is the timing uh, within which to unload the spice and then to distribute and all that so that we don't get uh, pinched in this whole thing. Yeah, and then also identify the more successful runners. I mean, everybody yeah. gets boarded at least yeah, once. Yeah, not everybody drops their shipment as the first sign of an imperial cruiser, though. okay? Right. That's what you got to remember. So, yeah, so so basically, um, the big thing about the Pikes is, yeah, okay, that, so there's the Pikes and there's the original crime family, but then they had all their underlings, which led to massive numbers throughout the Outer Rim, so... Anywhere you went, you'd have members of the Pike Syndicate kind of enforcing their rule. Mm-hmm. So it's a sort of strength in numbers where you've got all these enforcers for the Pikes. So it's like, well, you know, we better listen to them, we better behave, and we better do what they ask, and we better, you know, be compliant with their demands because, you know, there's all these people here that, that will ensure that happens or else. Um, yeah. So, so there's a lot of... Uh, adherence to kind of what the pikes were demanding because you had such a presence there that it's like well we can't really afford not to so let's uh get on board with with whatever they're demanding of of us as a planet or a star system or whatever to um continue our trade and our dealings and all this but also kind of get them off our backs right otherwise you know get come under the ire of the entire syndicate and if they're on your planet trying to distribute you are going to face their wrath if it's going to affect the flow of the spice because that really is their primary source of income. And we'll get to that a bit later on where that does sort of somewhat dissipate, but they're extremely... uh, Aggressive. Perfect word. Aggressive in protecting the very consistent flow of spice. That's why they employed so many different runners with a Kessel Run, you know, like and the spice trade. No, yeah. as long as they keep that moving, they're they're in business. You know, yeah. when that slows down or stops, then it's like, okay, wait a minute, what's going on here? Yeah. They pretty much own the mining facilities on Kessel, so it's like that's your major source for spice, and you guys own it. Then it's like, you know, you're gonna set things in place as far as uh, transportation, distribution, protection, and supervision, and all that. So that you can, you know, maximize not only your output, but also the distribution of the product. So they've really got their hands in all aspects of the operation. And your main labor force is slaves. You know, you're really not paying much for that. No, you're not. And that is a huge part of that story. And we we saw a bit of that in uh, Solo, A Star Wars Story. Uh, We'll get to that a little bit later on. But we first met the Pikes in canon in the episode Eminence in the fifth season of the Star Wars The Clone Wars. And like you've mentioned many times, we have never seen a cosplay that does justice to the Pikes. And not was, yet. Not, not yet. yet, exactly. And an extremely unique looking species. And so when we were introduced to them in this episode, we got a sense of just how far reaching that their syndicate was. And we also get a sense of how tenuous their relationship was with the Black Sun and eventually the Shadow Collective because part of the story that we saw with them was that Chancellor Valorum in the prequel era 
had sent Jedi Master Sifo Dias and Silman to try and settle a dispute within the Pikes on Obadiah, but a flare-up on Felucia diverted both of them to that planet, and they were captured by mm-hmm. the Pike Syndicate. Right. Count Dooku or Darth Tyrannus hired them to kill both of them, but they had kept Silman alive as an insurance policy against both Darth Tyrannus or you know, Count Dooku and right. the Jedi. So they reneged on their deal to a certain degree, and this is a critical part of the, uh, the rise of the clones. Oh, boy. So, despite the Pikes taking public transit, as our friend Rob from the Temple Archives <laughs> like to say, they were pretty ruthless, but also they used their brains. So, in keeping Silman alive, and uh, they killed Sifo-Dyas, which becomes a bit of a plot point in the Clone Wars series, as does Silman when the Jedi tried to follow Sifo-Dyas' trail, and uh, they did come across Silman, but... Darth Tyrannus was alerted to their plan prior to that. So he did arrive there as well. And um, he cut down many of the pikes that were in his way. And also Silman in, in an attempt to silence him before the Jedi could uncover the entire truth of what happened to sifo mm. Shortly thereafter, there was a further battle involving the pikes in which um, Lom Pike, their leader, was killed, and Marg Krim took over as the leader. So this was a point of contention, but, you know, as the next in line, that's what happens, Mm -hmm. until someone, uh, you know, bellyaches about it and decides they want to do something (laughs) about it. So it's like, okay, well, okay, now what? So here we are with this next leader that's assumed the helm of this cartel. Okay, well, now what? Okay, well, maybe it's contested, so then... You've got these underlings that are sort of uh, half in, half out because they're they're not sure of the worthiness of Krim and, and his um, leadership of the Pikes. Absolutely. And then you've got not only the factions between the Pikes themselves, you still have the dealings with the Jedi where Dooku, like you said, just, you know, had killed Lom. That was on Coruscant as he was negotiating with Anakin and Obi-Wan to find out where the heck Silman was because he was the key to what happened to Sifo Dias and the entire clone army like the, the precipice of a critical plot point within the entire Star Wars story and Dooku took him out so that sort of was left dangling and well, the, that's the whole idea, is you leave it dangling so that nobody can connect. Exactly, exactly. And of course, that was one of the primary orders of Palpatine. Don't leave any... Don't un- leave anything where you can connect the dots. Exactly. And don't give the Jedi any more of the advantage. So that was sort of a dead end for them. And at that point, because Krim took over and because the subordinate Pikes weren't exactly happy with his ascension because he was the next in line, then that created a rift with the Black Sun leader, Zito Maj, and he had kidnapped his wife. Krim's wife. Yes, Krim's wife. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And so Krim hired Asajj Ventress and the undercover Jedi Master, Quinlan Vos, yes. to rescue his family. Uh-huh, and uh-huh. we see that in the novel uh, Dark Disciple. Yes, which, which was one of your favorites. I know. <laughs> There are other books that do exist. I want to let you know. I mean, I know that Master and Apprentice and Dark uh, uh, yeah, Disciple okay, are like okay, the only yeah. books you've ever read. And I appreciate that, you know, your 
your literacy and all. However, <laughs> come on. There's come the on. aftermath. Yeah, no, there is. There definitely is. Um, there are also books. Dooku Jedi you know. Lost is also good. Yeah, I mean, so you've heard. Um, yeah, I did. It was yeah. an audiobook. I know it was. Oh, boy. Uh, but an important plot point for sure. Yeah. Which also brings in uh, other characters that are known and beloved through the Star Wars franchise mm-hmm. into the fold here, which is um, always nice to have a vested interest in some of the characters. And uh, such a critical point, too, of the way the, the Empire eventually develops as well. Yeah. They certainly did a decent job with um, kind of setting up the pieces for that transition. Because, you know, as soon as the Republic falls, when you start to see the machinations and some of the construction for the Galactic Empire, it's like, oh, I see what this is going for. And uh, before you know it, they've got a full space station. It's not a moon. (laughs) And also um, fleets of Star Destroyers and TIE Fighters and everything else that could help to not only defend them against invaders, but also to enforce their rule, their new sort of crackdowns on everything. It really worked out in their favor in order to set all these things up so that, you know, by the time, you know, the lever was pulled and it went from Republic to Empire, it's like everything's Mm. already in place and ready to go. All we got to do is push that green button to power it on and here we are. (laughs) And before we get to that, we're going to take a quick break. I'll be right back. Dad, look at the droid selling queso. It's not polite to talk about others like that. It's okay, kids. What are the chances he's going to hear us? It's high. It's very (gasps) high. Don't worry. You can make up for your embarrassment by procuring some of my queso. It has flavor. Only K2's Mucho Queso is made from a blend of Bantha and Thala Siren milks. Here, in just this. Ew, it stinks! I could say the same to you. What? Mmm, this is so good. Congratulations, your taste buds are being rescued. Daddy, let's buy it. Your behavior, young lady, is continually unexpected. Rebels will love the home-style meltiness of K2's Mucho Queso. The Empire? Well, Marva said it best. Let's get going, kids. Try K2's Mucho Queso. You'll love it. Cassian said you had to. And we're back! And we are back. (laughs) Thank you to our sponsors. And uh, just before the break, we were talking about the rise of the Pike Syndicate and how they affected the galactic path and how they were integral in certain aspects of the change from the Republic to uh, the first galactic empire. It's interesting to see these things play out on screen, but, you know, you've been reading about them in books and comics and everything else where... You know, the Pikes end up joining up with the Black Sun and, mm-hmm. you know, join with Maul's Shadow Collective, as you had said earlier. And they played a key role in the invasion that led to the siege on Mandalore and which ended very quickly mm-hmm. as the Pikes ended up uh, losing uh, many members because they were attacked and it became more costly than profitable. And yeah. as Hondo Onako says, I am here for the profits. So, um... <laughs> 
So they decided they were going to cut and run out of the Shadow Collective. So they um, peaced out. But then, you know, shortly thereafter rejoined <laughs> because, you know, why not? Um, and they acted as enforcers under Maul through that. And they aided Maul and the Death Watch in um, now Hutta. Uh, to strong yeah. arm the huts into joining the Shadow Collective. And it's like, you know, at this point, I think they, you know, they were still a major crime family to be reckoned with. But when you're rivaling a crime family that includes Maul, you're not going to win. No. So it's best not to go head to head versus Maul and to rather take your wins where you can get them, which in many cases means, you know, being enforcers for Crimson Dawn and to and to kind of help to ensure the victories that Crimson Dawn would get and then hopefully get some crumbs from that to kind of keep things going until the entire Shadow Collective is wealthy enough that they can support their own. And that's the thing where they, like you said, they had bailed on the Crimson Dawn because it wasn't profitable for them, but they soon realized that as much as Maul was almost a thorn in their sides. They saw that the profitability without the power of Crimson Dawn Mm -hmm. was not worth leaving. So they came back and all the while Palpatine was seeing all these things going on and knowing that Maul was the behind the scenes leader of Crimson Dawn, Palpatine was getting pissed Mm -hmm. because the power that he was starting to gain with these syndicates interrupted Palpatine's overall plan for the galaxy. Right. And those other planets and those other groups from the cartel and all, they're all going to sense that something is off. And and then you've got the entire Pike cohort behind you that is yeah. demanding success. And as a leader, Krim has to be able to answer to the Pike Syndicate. So he needs to make every move that is successful for the, that syndicate, whoever that may be. Right. If it's with Maul or not, he has to make those decisions or he'll be taken out and that decision will be made for him. So it's, it's a very delicate balance. And as we saw within Solo Star Wars story, he and Chewie and Kira dealt quite the blow to Kessel and the Pike Syndicate. Right. Certainly exposing a vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And so as we move through the era of the Empire, later on, Han was then eventually frozen in carbonite. He was auctioned off. Right. By no other than Kira, the one that helped him get on Kessel. Mm-hmm. And the Pikes were invited to this auction, uh, which ultimately was won by Jabba the Hutt. Um, just shows how ruthless that underworld is. And even though that Kira was with a black sun, and of course, Crimson Dawn, under Maul, she had to play those dual roles, still really highlighted the fact that these underworld leaders and uh, ruthless families had to do what they had to do to survive. Yeah, and then as you see the evidence to support their decisions throughout flashbacks or like alternate stories and all you're like ah, i can see where they're going with this and why uh because literally everything is at stake when spice is all around you and the distribution is everywhere and and the and the enforcers are 
all over the place. It's like, you better fall in line or else this is what's going to happen to you and everybody you care about. So it's very mob-esque in terms of like, just shut up and do your job and everything will be fine. Because they know damn well that if they air any grievances, it's going to be met with retribution. Where it's like, okay, well, you're going to criticize the way we run the place. Well, then guess what? You have half the family you used to have. Mm-hmm. Good luck. You mm-hmm. know? So so they really were very hell-bent on sending that message. And however that plays out, which typically will be, you know, on the battlefield. But at the same time, they were spice runners. They were smugglers and all this. So anywhere they could that, that would advance what they're doing, they're going to take whatever means necessary to make it happen, which, you know, could mean not only dropping your shipment at the first uh, sign <laughs> of the Imperials <laughs> checkpoint, but also perhaps dispatching those Imperials in order to save uh, their route and save their cargo. Mm. And that all sort of fell apart when uh, Palpatine got fed up. Oh, boy. And said, hey, look. All these syndicates and all these families, sit down. I need you to focus your attention on Crimson Dawn, who he knew was being run by Maul. Yeah. And take Crimson Dawn down. And whoever ends up on top of this heap of... Failure. (laughs) (laughs) Underworld nastiness. Um, He would support. Okay, so spoiler alert. I feel like maybe whoever he backs, maybe don't put all your eggs in that basket because I feel like his endorsements are somewhat loose. Lackluster at best. So if you're like, oh yeah, he's going to endorse us over here, well, maybe not because he might just be like, that sweater's nice. Let's market half price. Give me eight of them and I'm on my way. And you're like, yeah, but you were supposed to... Okay, never mind. So, I mean, that's where that's where a lot of this has left us. And profitable. That was always that it came back right. down to. Right, yes, of profit. course, because it's all about the profits. The profit. um, so, even with Palpatine's endorsement, we're all for naught. Because, in the end, he was killed, essentially, in the Battle of Endor, while all of these uh, syndicate families were still fighting amongst themselves. And they continued their existence while the empire failed. And to a certain degree, the New Republic did tolerate these families because they did serve a purpose, but they were certainly not the same syndicates that enjoyed the success that they did during the reign of the empire and before the empire. So they were much more strategic in their deployments after the New Republic era. And we see this especially in the Book of Boba Fett, where the Pikes had installed themselves on Tatooine. Uh, sorry, uh, they installed themselves on Tatooine as running spice across the world uh, using the repulsor trains, as you had mentioned way back at the start of this episode, to bring their goods across the desert plains on Tatooine. Yeah, and uh, couple that with their freighters and. They could really just send the spice anywhere, you know, and, and really line their pockets even more, you know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that, that did exist for several years. And again, as we saw in that series, they hopefully came, the Pikes, I mean, came to Tatooine to, sorry, the Pikes came to Tatooine 
to claim Hutt's empire. Uh, and of course, that was thwarted quite quickly. Um, and after a battle that took place in the desert streets of Mos Espa, the mm-hmm. Pikes decided that uh, it was better to leave the world due to the numerous losses caused by that battle. And uh, although Master Assassin Fennec Shand assassinated the Pike leaders on Tatooine before they could leave, they still decided that it wasn't even worth retribution. And they pulled off of Tatooine and receded into their, uh, their more secure areas. And by 18 ABY, or after the Battle of Yavin, the Syndicate's power had faded quite significantly. It was still formidable in that sense, but their rise and their fall was quite quick uh, in compared to the other families within the crime syndicate and certainly in the Crimson Dawn. Yeah, if you're talking about trying to keep people under your thumb, the best way to get them to not fit in that box is to shrink away those benefits. And, mm, and you nice. know, so it's like, okay, as we get more greedy and take more from you, then you'd start to second guess and, and double think these things that you're doing. It's like these pikes were really very... I don't want to say stretched thin, but they were kind of pulled every which way because you you know mm. you're keeping an eye on these people that they don't do something foolish. So you're you're thinking in several different ways and several different places. So not only are you keeping things afloat, but then that's an opportunity for for um, compromise. Mm. Yeah. You know, when it comes to your home world or your your uh, distribution or manufacturing, all those types of things, it's like. If you're not paying right attention to the right place, all these things could come under fire, and it really uh, complicates things quite a bit. I agree completely. If the Pikes hadn't risen to power, where they were able to control Kessel and the Spice, it's not that they lucked into it, but Kessel itself and the fact that they were at the end of that run, and it took a very particular set of skills to be able to make that run successfully, not just for the Spice, but also you know for Coaxium, um, they were lucky where they were, but ultimately, were they the right ones to be able to manage it? Because their rise and fall was very quick, mm-hmm. almost saying that while they had the opportunity to have that benefit of the Kessel Run, they weren't necessarily equipped to be able to manage it and successfully run it. They fell short of it. Yeah, and as you have these... Um conglomerates where you're you're brought into the fold and and some of your autonomy is removed for the sake of mm. protection yep. and well okay but now what power do we actually have and the answer to that is none because then what ends up happening is as you you know you maintain that relationship with crimson dawn and with the uh, shadow collective and all as the as the republic is um falling and the empire is rising then it's like okay well now they're expanding their reach, and we really are kind of powerful in name, but not really in what mm. we're able to do because now we've got this you know galactic force that's patrolling everything and, and trying to keep things in line. That not only kind of helped to cripple the Pikes, but also helped to strengthen the Empire because you've got these crime syndicate, this family that's very tenacious, but you also have them at your beck and call. So you're able to get them to enforce, to expose, and to do the dirty hands work of mm. the Empire yeah. um, without the Empire actually getting their hands dirty, which is a huge benefit to them, 
uh, it's a complete detriment to literally everyone else. Yeah, and if you're trying to be part of a collective where you're trying to hold your own weight within that, that weight can sometimes overpower your ability to be able to fulfill what you're expected. And I think the Pikes, unfortunately, are a good example of that. It's not they bit off more than they could chew. I think that they were beneficiaries of where they were within the galaxy, their planet, and they were afforded the level of what could be expected for that type of position, but they weren't ready to take it because their rise and fall was quite quick. Yeah, and you might as well strike while the iron's hot because, you know, again, with the Empire being so self-servant, it's like they're going to drop anybody whenever they want. Yeah. So if you're in their favor now, you better make the most of it because you never know. Next week, next month, you might not be. And then you'd be out on the street corner begging for credits um, with like Clone Wars veterans and stuff like that, where it's like, you know, this is not a sure thing. Whereas whatever arrangement you had with the Empire or with the Republic or or with these, you know, local moths, whatever you had going with them could have worked. But at this point, it's a game changer because now they've got their hands so far into everything. It's like anything you do, they're going to see. So you better get done with that so that you can get back and protect the people that they're after. And those they have to answer to, which sometimes can be a lot more treacherous than the ones you're actually trying to protect. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) That's the truth. Um, Fun fact, uh, before we end the episode here, um, Pico Pico Manzati and a few other pilots speculated that the route that Solo used to achieve his feat. His infamous Kessel Run. Yes. Yeah. Was an ancient Purgle migration route through the Maw. Isn't that cool? Listen, say what you want about the Purgle. <laughs> I did what I had to do to get the Kessel Run in less than 14 parsecs. <laughs> 12! If you round down. Um, yeah, so, I mean, it was just... Um, but you know to see them go through the Kessel Run was pretty cool and and to to kind of usurp those um, Mm. trade lanes of the Pikes was really um, pretty ingenious of Han to to be able to get around all that and and still deliver his shipment without having to have that price on his head kid (laughs) and uh, for more info on the pikes. Oh, and, there's more info on the pikes? I thought we covered everything. Well, we did, but okay. our good friend uh, Rob. At the Jedi Temple Archives? Yeah, he had a All podcast right. at one point. And, did he? Uh, yeah, he did. And I don't know. I feel like that's a name I've not heard in a long time. Neither have you heard uh, episode 49 either. But uh, no. if you want to search up Jedi Temple Archives podcast and uh, pull up episode 49, there's some uh, more information on the on that, and I'm not quite sure about Tom from the uh, Hyperion Adventures podcast, podcast. Yes. was on that episode or not, but uh, it's likely that it could be. So, either way, Tom and Michelle have Hyperion Adventures podcast, Disney Positivity podcast. Uh-huh. Give them a listen. Rob at the Jedi Temple Archives podcast, which is uh, taking a extremely long hiatus at this point. Uh, go check them out. I feel like his podcast is frozen carbonite, and it hasn't had the right Leia come by Correct. to uh, unthaw Correct. him yet. Uh, but you can find him on uh, Planet Pivot podcast. 
<sighs> so there all we right. go. There's the uh, Pike Syndicate. Um, I guess so. Now all that's left is us to um, finish our Pike cosplays, and then we're ready to rock and roll. Exactly, because we are going to rock them once we're done. Yes, once we're done. We have to start first, but once we get started, <laughs> we will eventually get done. Add it to the list right after Captain Mandalore. That too. Indeed. So in the meantime, if you want to see some of our cosplay uh, contributions or um, more of our audio contributions to the podcast, uh, the very best place to find us is on our very own website at conversations.com. We're also on facebook.com slash conversations. We are uh, ex-best friends with Twitter, and that's <laughs> at Suations. Uh, on Instagram, we are Conversations. We've got a threads link at Conversations there. Etsy, we're at Conversations. Um, Linktree at link.tree slash Conversations. If you forgot all that, didn't bring a pen, didn't feel like looking at the show notes, and don't know how to use Google. <laughs> so, that being said, we're also proud founding members of the Red 5 Podcast Network at bio.link slash Red 5. And we are proud founding members of the Red 5 Network. I said that already. Well, I was just going to say because Roe would say, that's the scuttlebutt. He would say that. He would. That's why I said it. Okay. All right. So we're good. Maybe. All right. Mm-hmm. What did Rose say? Uh, don't forget <laughs> to mention the scuttlebutt. Scuttlebutt podcast. <laughs> I like big scuttlebutts and I cannot lie. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Ro. We appreciate your uh, contribution to the episode. And to close this out. I closed the last one. You want to close this one? All right. I guess so. Make it so. <laughs> this is a little whistle. It's doorknob. It's door, door. That's not even close to the door. No? No. I don't know. I never watched Star Trek, so I don't know. What is it? What does it sound like? Like it was like a, like it's a tweet. It's still a whistle. I was close. <laughs> not even. You're the worst. I'm out of here. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Have fun with your Star Trek, you dork. Greetings, listener. Just a reminder that the podcast you just heard is a proud member of the Red 5 Network family. Red5network.com offers you a great variety of shows you'll be sure to love. So the next time you're itching for quality content, make sure you head over to Red5network.com. You'll find this podcast along with a whole lot more. All wings report in. It's the Red 5 Network. Hello, I'm Salat Murray, also known as Yakface. And I'm Melakili, the Rancor Keeper, and we want to tell you about the latest album by the Zarbologist. Yes, that's right, featuring all your greatest hits, including the classic from the sequels, Waiting for Episode 7. I'm waiting for Episode 7! 
And when I get there, I'll be in heaven. It'll be yes, and the other sequel song, episode eight. Episode eight is gonna be great. I'll be at the midnight screening with all of my mates. I'm curious about the Jedi's fate. The Zarbologist has provided us with a song of those cute little bears, the Ewoks. Another favorite character featuring Nine-Num. I'm Nine-Num, don't have a lot to say. Sitting next to Lando all the way to the second Death Star. Gonna blow it up. I'll be the best sidekick the rebels ever got. Cause I'm Nine-Num, I'm Nine-Num. Hear the Zabologist sing for joy about one of his favorite Star Wars movies, Solo. Our second Star Wars story movie What will it be like? It'll be a fun adventure, yeah, it'll be alright A sad song all about me, the Rancor Keeper I took my rancor away. I am the rancor keeper. The latest album by the Zobologist, Star Wars Songs Volume 1, will be available at the end of the year of 2022. Available on Spotify, YouTube, Bandcamp, iTunes, and many, many more places you can find music online. And remember, it's spelt S-Z-A-B-O-L-O-G-I-S-T. Search it online and see what you will find. This is definitely the band and the music you have been looking for.